0: You want
1: fat fish? I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you wanna try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher,
2: higher
3: today's episode is brought to you by warby parker an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price
1: simply put your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iphone x
3: warby parker's prescription glasses start at 95 dollars,
1: and they do sunglasses too
3: buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl.
1: Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home.
3: You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way
1: you can try all the frames and pick your favorite.
3: And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need.
1: Daniel wears Warby Parker and now he can actually see me.
3: And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over over to WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Again, that's WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki.
1: Warby Parker, modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This
3: is Grizzly Kiki.
1: I'm Robert, and I'm a bear. I'm Daniel, and I'm a bear too. Who knew? And we're here with Big Dipper. Hi. Hi. Um, Us being both being bears, we'll come into... Whatever later. Because we've been doing for June we've been doing this pride series where we talk about gay shit and part of our Sorry, experience. You is...
0: normally on Grizzly Kiki don't talk about gay shit? No, it's it's a <laughs> I,
3: I see this is the, the 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 time you were on was the only time we'd done gay shit on the podcast <laughs> because normally it's a very conservative right wing financial advice podcast. We yes. just don't want people I, to find it. I so, forgot about that. You yeah. know.
2: With,
0: with... <laughs> conservative financial advisor Charlene Incarnate. Oh my yes. god,
2: yes.
1: Oh, Charlene. You didn't get all of her uh all of her advice on your port- like your stock portfolio. I don't even oh know the god. words. I don't even know the words. Business, Business
3: the words. trends. I love that that is Business her. Business trends. Like <laughs> I love Charlene. She's just like the best in the world.
0: Yeah, she's you? incredible.
3: Uh how are you doing? <laughs> Me? Yeah, you.
1: <laughs>
0: Um I'm good. <laughs>
1: you can't see I, me pointing at you, but I'm pointing at you right now. You.
0: Yes. Okay, okay. I can feel <laughs> it. I can feel it through the phone. I'm good. I um there's um I have a lot going on and it's my own doing. <laughs> um and uh I you do you know that term no chill? Yes. I feel like that's about me. (laughs) Not necessarily in like an emotional or anger sort of way, but just in like a, like I'm one of those people who I I have a friend who is not like this. I'm one of those people who like, I have a hundred percent follow through. And if I don't, I feel like I'm a garbage person. And I have a good friend of mine who like has 15% follow through. Like, you know, they just like love to be like, Oh my god, we should do that. We should do this. Let's talk about this. And every time I'm around them, I'm like, well, are we doing any of those things? And the answer is always no. But for me, the answer is always yes. So when I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put out an album, that means I will. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. gonna start a podcast. That means I will. Oh, I want to move to LA and be a producer. So now I'm doing that. Like, mm-hmm all of those things that I set out to do, I don't understand how to do them one at a time. And I don't understand how to be like, I want to do them, but maybe now is not the right time. So I just like load it all on top of one another and it doesn't stop.
1: And then meatball is the 15%.
0: Is that (laughs) (laughs) now we
1: love meatball.
0: She has more follow through and more, um, professionalism than she likes to let on i'll tell you that much because that bitch likes to think that she's a mess but she works pretty hard
1: it comes through on the podcast like as as little (laughs) as she wants it to come through it comes through
0: she said to me today um we had to record something and she said to me today she was like um I think we'll do it this way next time because I'm ready to start working so I can prep that for you. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. Cause I normally do all of the prep work for the podcast. Mm. All of it.
1: That
3: sounds familiar.
0: Yeah. Oh,
3: not for me. I'm the lazy one. I'm 15%. (laughs) I prepare the outlines, the text, the images and Robert just does that computer stuff, like making the audio come out a certain way, you know?
0: See, um, and that's the kind of shit I don't know how to do.
3: <laughs> I tried it once, and it took me five hours to edit an episode, because we were in a fight. And I was like, well, then I'll edit the episode. And I was like, no, never again. So I just make sure we don't fight before he has to edit something, so that gotcha. I save the fight for after. It's like up. Gotcha. You know? So yeah, it's a, it's a whole... Um, uh technique i have
1: <laughs> you can subscribe to our patreon and listen to our fights for five dollars a month That's not, so no we have no patreon um like i don't think we have time for a patreon we should start one no Mm-mm. um <laughs> let's talk about your new song and video for looking um, yeah let's do it <laughs> um so did you set out like when you started writing this, did you think it was gonna be a body positive anthem or is that just something that happened after?
0: It's just something that happened after. So the the writing of the song is actually very funny. Um I got together with the producer and he was like, What kind of song do you want to be doing? And I it just popped into my head, but I was like, Do you remember Jock Jams? And he was like, Uh-huh. Uh, I
3: was oh like, my god. it's...
0: I was like, I think something in that realm. And so when we initially started, the song was like a lot crazier. Like it had all these like sirens in it and it had all this like wild, like it had crazier sounds in it. And then there was like this really nutso breakdown. Like it was a really sort of like all over the place track. And I sat with it for a while and I wrote the hook maybe five or six different times in different ways I kept like writing and rewriting it and once I landed on the hook it sort of realized that structurally it wanted to be just like a much more traditional pop song so we like pulled back on all the craziness took out the middle break like all of this stuff and um, we sort of landed on looking and after those lyrics set in I was like I want to make a song where like people can dance to it and it has dancing words in it. The lyrics that repeat are caress my body, rock them hips, dip down low, just like this. Like those are things, those are call to action dance moves that you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. And I really like wanted to do that kind of a song. So we just like, it It made me think like, oh, with the lyric jiggle, jiggle, it's a party in the middle <laughs> and shake that way. You know i write from my own experience so i was writing about myself mm-hmm. but then i was like oh shit what would be cool is if we had a bunch of fat dudes dancing because that fits into the lyric and then pretty much right after that i was like car wash it's got to be a car wash mm-hmm. and we wrote this song honestly wrote this song over two years ago wow. and I just knew, like, we kept going back and forth on what the actual hook was, but some of those key lyrics have been around for over two years. The idea of, I got you looking, I'll give you something to see, like, that's been around for two years. And pretty pretty much after those lyrics locked in, I was like, it's got to be a car wash. And we were, like, moving the date. The video had three different directors, all people I've worked with before, all people I trust. But it was, like, a logistic thing where Mm -hmm. it was, like, if we can shoot it in October, so-and-so will direct it. Oh, no, we have to move the date because I have no money. So let's shoot it in January. Oh, you can't do it? This other person will direct it. And, like, we eventually got to do it with my best friend Tobin, who came in from New York. And we shot the video February 3rd of this year. And then I've been, like, sitting on it and working on the edit and trying to get the single ready. And then it all came out on June 14th.
1: That's crazy. I
0: right? know. Like, that's what I mean about I have no chill. Like, like, the fact that, like, Meatball always yells at me because <laughs> he's like, just put your shit out. And I'm like, it's not ready. Mm-mm. It needs to look legitimate and it mm-hmm. needs to sound perfect and i i need to you know a friend of mine just said to me on the phone today he was like i think your quality is a detriment to you as an indie artist because people think you're more connected more supported and have more money than you actually do because like i did that video on a credit card that i started to do that video and then like now i'm just paying it off there was no fundraising there was no corporate sponsorship there was no nothing i was just like this is gonna happen so i'm gonna bite the bullet and just like live that american dream and accrue some motherfucking credit card debt Mm -hmm. you know and it's like if you can't invest in yourself who the hell are you gonna invest in yeah well
3: i think also it's like your the stuff you put out always does feel so polished and like not just polished, but like cohesive. Like you listen, like you know, looking for example, it's just like you don't want anything. Well, wait, else. let's
2: go back in time what? because
3: you
1: showed us a cut of vibin. Oh my when god! When we interviewed you, and then we didn't see the final version for. for I don't know how long it was, but it was like a little while. and It was
0: probably like three months. Yeah, it was a while, and we shot that. Go ahead. We shot that video in August of 2014. And it came out in June of 2015. It it took about nine months. Basically it was done by like February or March, but we knew it wanted to come out in the summer. Mm-hmm. So we sat on it. And that was, that was a big thing because I was like, I, I can't, especially now think about what is on the internet. Yeah. Everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's so much trash on the internet And if you're not making some sort of statement, there's no point in what you're doing now uh, because we live in a time where people are, like, actually awake to the fact that there's so much trash happening in the world and there's so much, like, oppression and so many types of people being taken advantage by these larger powers Mm -hmm. that if you're just making frivolous garbage, it doesn't really land unless you're super, super famous. There was a time when like escapism and all of those ideas were really, really lovely because we just want to party and have a good time. I don't really sort of see the idea of, of that as a message as being anything, um, as being that worthwhile, you know, like my song for LaCroix boy is a total joke and a total sort of just like indulgence Mm -hmm. and that's fine. And it is worthwhile, but like my album as a body of work, is, you know, unabashedly queer is about celebrating my identity and all of like my queer community identity about putting myself out there in the world and um, not being afraid of who I am and, and being sort of proud of who I am and flaunting it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, for me, in order to cut through all of the trash that's on the internet you have to be strategic and you have to release at the right time and you have to have quality product to do so and so that to me is important and you can't be impatient Mm -hmm. you have to especially as an indie artist i don't have a hundred thousand dollars to spend on billboards and instagram ads and like product placement and like doing a deal with um you know whatever pepsi so that my song plays in the background of a tv commercial Mm -hmm. like record labels have that kind of money and that's how we all know whatever song that we're like why the fuck do we know this song i don't even care about this artist Mm -hmm. it's because someone has put it in our face yeah and As an indie artist, I'm in a position where I have to do the work to cut through that without any sort of help. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so grateful for like the community and for people sharing the video. It's like the video came out. I guess, two weeks ago and it already has 60,000 views on YouTube and it's been shared a bunch and the response has been really positive. And I feel really proud about that video. But, you know, a mainstream artist puts a video out and within an hour it has 20 million views. Mm -hmm. There's like, there's just a different access point. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, there's, there's almost something more. Well, there is something more special about doing what you do as an indie artist is that, like you said, you know, they like, you'll hear, I don't know, the, the new Ariana Grande song, right? The first thing in yes. my head in like a Pepsi commercial. And so you're like, Oh, what is that? So it's like, Oh, let me Google this. Right. So it's like, you weren't even looking for it necessarily. You, it was kind of like put in your it was head delivered to you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's like, Hey, oh, this sounds catchy, but like, With you, you have to like want, you have to like basically be a big dipper fan and be into what it is that you do and then support it. So it, it, there's much more of a, um, active engagement you know in terms of like social media and listening and purchasing to me i think that that's kind of more meaningful in terms of a like a fan base in a way even though you know it it's not like you said it's it's not big like um like like these corporate things but like your fans are seeking you out for a very specific reason
0: right and i think with the new video like with the um the visual A lot of people are sharing it because the the majority of the comments I'm getting is like, oh, I feel represented. I feel seen. I'm Mm -hmm. sharing this because I like to dance around in my swimsuit or in my underwear at my house. And now some people are doing it uh, on YouTube so I can Mm -hmm. share it, you know, and that's a really cool thing. And that also allows more people to discover my music.
2: Mm hmm.
1: I'm curious who do you see as your contemporaries because I feel like we always look at what the other person is doing and that's how we compare how our work ethic should be and all of that stuff. At least that's sort of what we do. Um uh-huh. I was just wondering who do you look at as like your contemporary in terms of indie music?
0: Well, I look I know this is not necessarily like the best thing to do, right. but I look up A little bit, Mm -hmm. because I look for people who I want to sort of I want to I want to mirror the steps that they've taken in their career, and not in a strategic way where I'm like, this person played at this venue, so I want to play there, and then I want to sign this kind of a deal or do whatever. But I've been, you know, I've been a big fan of Lizzo for a while, Uh. and I think you know she's lovely and amazing, and. She's been making music for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I discovered her when she had a song called Batches and Cookies. She was living in Minneapolis at the time. And that video was out on YouTube. And I believe I was on some list. It was either me was on, like, I was on that list, or a friend of mine who also makes music was on that list. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, a list of, like, ten, like, independent and i think they were queer artists cuz i think like in the beginning at least in that video there's like a bunch of rainbow flags or they're like mm-hmm. at the capitol building at, during a pride or a protest so i think it was like yeah. unclear and i don't know like if she what she identifies out in the world as I, but I, I, I don't know. Did, Wasn't this, like, she, an out
3: magazine a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken? like Because I think, like, uh, Mickey Blanco was in it. I'm pretty sure that you were in it. It was, like, a profile of, like, the top queer or queer-adjacent, like, rappers to look out for, I think. Maybe. Yeah and, yeah. and
0: and oftentimes, it's it's not necessarily the right move, because... You know, it's generated by a press outlet, mm-hmm. but I'll see an article like that and be like, oh, someone from the outside sort of sees us in a similar realm. So then I, I sort of always keep my eye on them. But her career has really skyrocketed in a major way. And and to be perfectly frank, she made really quality content. And then found herself in a position, I believe she signed a major, still a relatively indie deal, but with a major company. Her music got licensed everywhere. It's been, like, her song Good As Hell is in so many movies. Mm -hmm, She mm -hmm. just toured with Haim. She's putting out new music now. She's about to release an album or she's working on an album. Like, she... But what she did, which is really cool, is that she evolved and grew, but maintained who she was as an artist throughout all of that. And then, you know, because she has the support of the mainstream music machine, that's also helping generate a lot of the buzz. Because at a certain point, her song was like the theme song for the new season of Project Runway. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. And there were ads everywhere for that. And she was in the ads singing her song. And it was essentially a commercial for her music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then she was a judge on Drag Race. And, like, those are not things you sit at home as an indie artist and get an email about. Those are things, like, when you have an agent management and you're co-signed by a larger company, do those big companies like Viacom sort of turn around and say, oh, like... You know, no one is going to send me an email and be like, I want Lookin' to be the new advertisement for this car because the car has sleek design and we think, I got you Lookin', I got you Shookin', would be an amazing ad for the car. But if I were to be signed by a company, they would then circulate the music and then maybe a car company would look at it. But it's incredibly challenging as an indie artist to sort of take any of those steps further, which to me is the exact, I mean, it's like, it's a total equivalency to like the financial world. Like it's so hard to break out of a financial bracket Mm -hmm. unless someone lifts you up and invests in you like to just start a business on your own without some sort of angel investor being like, Oh, I'll buy the building that you want to have your restaurant in. You're like, Oh, now I can actually have the restaurant. That type Mm -hmm. of thing. Right.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: So,
1: how much yeah. of that corporate mentality do you think lives in the writing room when the song is being, or whatever room, <laughs> when the song is being written? Like,
0: For me, zero. <laughs> right, right. I mean, honestly, I set out to make this album when I left New York, which mm-hmm. was about three years ago. And I had, a, I had like, as I was leaving New York, I was like, I'm going to move to L.A., I'm going to make a full-length album, and I'm going to, like, really sort of put my all into what I've got going on here um, as a performer and a musician. And it was really exciting because I was like dedicated to it. But it also took a really fucking long time to because I moved across country and I, mm-hmm. I had a surgery. I was like crashing with family. I didn't have a home for a while. Then I started subletting. I was trying to make money out here that was on the road traveling, like all of this stuff. Meanwhile, I'm trying to write an album. So to me, this album was just I've never thought like, oh, let me make eight songs that could be played on the television. Like every song talks about sex at some point. Every song has cuss words in it. Like, Lookin' is maybe the cleanest song that I have. Wow. I'm and very so, excited. <laughs> So I don't necessarily think about that. I have a lot of friends out here and music producers who who have been doing this longer than me or do it at a faster rate than I do. You know, music producers can work a lot faster because they can sit at home and work with artists and churn out beats and then just hand them over. Mm -hmm. And I know I have beats that were made two years ago that are coming out on this album, and the producers are like, hey, when are you putting this fucking album out because we made that music so long ago? But... Those those producers will be like, let's write a song that we can make money off of. Like, let's write a song that would go in a Sprite commercial yeah. or that um, T-Mobile would want or, you know, that a new Tesla commercial would want this song. And, and that's a great way to make money. And if music is your only focus, write, you know, a third of your songs purely to try to get them licensed so you can make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And then write the rest of them so you can be an artist. But I do so much more than just write music. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm gonna have six music videos for this album. Wow, that's a a full album. Yeah, I mean the album is twelve. Oh, it's twelve songs, and I've shot four music videos already.
3: Wow. Oh my god.
0: Looking exciting. The next one will come out in a few weeks. Then I have two more already shot. I'm going to shoot another in August. And then I'm going to shoot. I'd like to shoot more. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, there are only like three or four songs on the album that I don't immediately see a music video for. Wow! But if you told me, hey, can you make a music video for this song? I would be like, sure, absolutely. So I could Lemonade if I wanted to. (laughs) Yes,
3: that would be amazing. Yeah. So the album
1: is called Late Bloomer. Do you have a date for it?
0: This summer.
1: This summer. Coming (laughs) this summer.
0: It's a very silly thing that is the reason that I don't have a date. Um, But I don't, I can't say the date. Okay. But I will announce the date soon. And it's probably in August. Okay. Is the the best way that I can say that. (laughs)
1: So we can safely say August. Married. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, yes. Yes. With an ellipses <laughs> on both sides of that. <laughs> yes.
3: I like that. Keep keep, keep people in suspense. It's yes. Important.
0: Here's the deal. I mean, and you know this. If you have money and access and fame mm-hmm. and people like Nicki Minaj, her album comes out August 10th. And guess what? I bet you that bitch ain't done yet.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, and by
0: "bitch", by bitch I mean album. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> like, absolutely she, not. She might write a song in late July that goes on the album, but what she has is she has enough songs and enough demos and enough whatever where they're like, mm-hmm. "Okay, we can announce an album. We feel good about this." Right. She even she even said she wrote Chun Li like four days before it came out. Well, and that's goes. But do you know what I mean? And that's because she has such a platform where she can then say, well, boop, here comes my song and it can go to number one and it can go gold or whatever. And this is not me being like, I should have a platform that size. But this is just me being like, this is the reason, like my shit was done in February. Like Mm -hmm. I finished writing the album a while ago, but you know, it has to be mixed and it has to be mastered and the graphic design Mm -hmm. and it has to be uploaded. And then we have to secure the date and the press things. And like Mm -hmm. all of those things take time. And I'm a, you know, I'm a one man machine right
1: yeah i mean so it, uh, it it makes to put out something as quality as what you're doing i think it makes sense to wait and wait and wait and right. um i mean we've seen we we saw firsthand with jiggly's album how long things i mean oh and God. with her she technically has a
3: machine behind her but not but, really but still it was like uh, you know her album cover was shot on our living room floor because like that's where the space was available yeah. You know, right? With eighty pounds of fucking sprinkles, like but we shot that. We we took. In no, we did like those November photos. of yeah. last year. Yeah, and the album came um, out. You know, yeah. at some point this year. I mean, I don't it's, even remember right? This and and the thing is, you know, she has management. She has all of that stuff. I I, I think it's you know it, it all depends on you know just time. You know, and and like you said, you're you're a one man machine, which is kind of incredible, actually, that you put out all of this, and it's like. As as a and I don't know if like you're you're very like much uh like a like a control freak, but as a control freak, I really appreciate that because you can have your hand in everything. Like it's it's going to be what you want it to be or what you don't want it to be because everything is is going through you. And I feel like a lot of people let the machine kind of run away with these like babies that they've written. You know, and it might not always come out the way that they envisioned it because somebody else is like, no, this would be better for marketing. This is better commercially. You know, no, this is for the sprite commercial. You have to change it, but you're not sacrificing any of that. You know, you're putting it out and it's like exactly how you want it to be. No matter how long it takes.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, I say I'm a one man machine and I am. But also there are so many other people who do all of this work. Mm-hmm. It's just for me, it's my main focus. And for those people, they juggle a lot of other things. You yeah. know, it's like my music producer is constantly working on this stuff. All my video editors, some of them have full time day jobs, you know, like the people that I collaborate on press, the, mm-hmm. you know, the publicity, like all of that. I'm one thing on their on their list. And then, uh, you know, I'm the only thing on my list, which is not even true, because I do a lot of other work. And so I'm the top priority on my list. But there are also other things like when I'm, you know, helping produce other people's video content, Mm -hmm. or I'm working on the podcast, or I'm, booking people's gigs and you know sending their music and doing logistics and working out travel like i do a lot of other shit Mm -hmm. to help my friends and my collaborators out and it allows me to be a full-time artist
3: yeah yeah that's you're building you're building what sounds like an empire really yeah yeah, uh, it's you know,
0: in in theory, all of that is true, but then I'm still like, girl, I'm trying to pay this rent.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're putting it out there, and it it will come back. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're you're releasing this album on your your own label, Jelly Records, and who knows if um, you know, if Jelly Records is going to turn into something where you are booking and managing and producing all sorts of people. You know, you never know.
0: Yeah, that is true. <laughs> you do never know. I have been approached by a few artists asking me to be their manager but i just don't have the time right mm-hmm. now because right. maybe when i'm not performing i would do that but i can't do it right now yeah
1: right. um we're gonna take a quick break but when we come back we are going to talk about being bears as part of our pride series and we're going to talk about unbearable because it fits in so stick around we'll be right back Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it. And every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. We're back, and as part of our last la- last segment of our Pride series, wow. because this is the last one, um, we decided that we wanted to talk about being bears because I struggled understanding that I was a bear, and I don't know about Daniel, but I feel like you know, it was it was a thing, it was a moment, a tiny, yeah, something. Did something you like did that. you have a struggle, Dipper, when you were coming into your bearness? <laughs>
0: I don't know that I had a struggle. Like, it's funny because my album's called Late Bloomer because I am a Late Bloomer. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always been like, I lost my virginity really late. As far as like the youth these days go, I kind of came out sort of late. I mean, I guess not really. Like, I came out in high school, but you know, the, the children becoming out of 10 years old these days. Right. Um, but it, it was something that for me, like, I came out early, but then I didn't sort of sexualize myself for a while. So when I discovered the bear identity and discovered that men found me attractive, it was a relief for me. Mm. Because, you know, I was like, oh, I'm chubby. No one's going to want to sleep with me um oh i'm starting to sprout hair everywhere like i was really self-conscious about my back hair and i was like oh this is not a good look Mm -hmm. and then when i discovered like that was a good look in in a community and then i like looked around that community and i was like oh i want to fuck like 80 percent of the dudes here i was like great i'll come around these places more Mm -hmm. often (laughs) so it wasn't necessarily a struggle why was it a struggle for you
1: well okay so the only bears that i saw were very, very, very effeminate and flamboyant, and I was very much against all of that. I still like I still struggled that
0: while adjusting her wig. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so true. Um, Can you tell: Dipper what you called them yesterday? What did I call them yesterday? I don't remember.:
3: You said it was
0: like hippos and tutus.: Yes there you go My God, but isn't that the best moment in planta- plantasia <laughs> it really is it is
1: now now that i have now that i understand how great it is yes of course um but at the time i was like oh i don't want to be that i don't want to be like you know like the first one that comes to mind is my really faggy um uh, high school theater teacher, right? That's like the first one that comes to mind. I'm like, I don't want to be that. He seemed really like sad and lonely and I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get that. I was like, I'm not being let into all parts of his life. He seems sad and lonely right now because he's, he's probably like turning it all off because he's, you know, in front of a bunch of judgmental
3: ninth graders. He probably hated, right. it, hated all of you too because you were right. misbehaving.
1: And that's the thing is I just didn't get like, I didn't get the layers to it. I didn't get that, like, I can create my own, you know, person, and it can be whatever I want it to be. Also, there's nothing wrong with being feminine. No. You know? So, something that I had to, like, I had to figure that out on my own. I still struggle with that every day. So,
3: you know? <laughs> um. And and for me, I, like, I didn't, I'm very strange, I think, because, like, labels, like, bear and twink and all of that i i didn't understand or see the need for for a really long time because oh and then there's another
1: part is oh. that i would look at the twinks because i was like my first images i guess of being gay were like queer as folk and i was like none right. of these guys, i was like none of these guys are doing it for me not a one Mm-mm. please continue
0: um <laughs> not a <thing>. one
3: <laughs> oh yeah i always thought like the names were really funny like just odd like you know classifications and being in certain boxes or whatever so i was always very much like if you told me i was part of this i'd be like "Mm, i'm good i'm gonna go over there where nobody else is like me because it just never like um um like and like never really appealed to me you know um I, i didn't realize that because it was always like again applying for college my guidance counselor told me you know you should go where there are a lot of minorities because you'll feel more comfortable there and so yeah um because her words were white people outside of new york are not the same and i was like yeah meaning what i have no (laughs) i i mean i guess she was saying like you know you're gonna get like um you know like hate crime for something i mean i'm fat i'm hairy i'm brown and i'm gay so like there are four things there like which one are you talking about um like you know pick one but um right so for me i guess i, I started like growing body hair when i was like 10 or 11 and it was oh. just, yeah and it was like weird to me because nobody else had a mustache in fifth grade you know like it just it it wasn't like feeling ashamed of it it was more like oh no this doesn't match so i would like i started shaving at like 11 and like i like nobody knew that i was growing body hair because like i was just shaving right Right. so i think like we were at a water park once and my mother was like how did you cut your chest and i was like oh nothing and she's like were you shaving what do you have to shave and I was like and then she goes wait a minute why do you only have hair on your arms from the elbow down oh my god yes
0: girl she was like she gooped you right there at the water park right there
3: at the water park like (laughs) and she was just like and I was standing there looking like a brown butterball and she was like why she's like it looks like you're wearing hairy opera gloves stop it (laughs) Right. She was like, no. She goes, did you also shave your back? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, how? How did you reach? And I just looked at her and I go, I made it work.
0: Yeah, girl, because like, you know. Like you can pour. Shame and... um. Uh, embarrassment is a hell of a motivator uh, and then if she you were d- out here talking about I don't want anybody to notice that I have any hair on my body right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I want
3: to look like everybody else my age you know right. and then right. she looks at me and she points at my dad who's in the water with my brother and my dad looks like a wet wookie okay like uh-huh. my, I, I don't think we've ever actually seen my father's skin he's so hairy and she goes I What's- married your father I'm just kidding what was that
0: I said, what's his number? Oh, I will pass it along. (laughs)
3: Don't worry. Uh, So she said, see, I married your father because I thought he was attractive with all of that. And she's like, don't don't like she goes your choice, whatever you want. She's like, but if you're going to do it, get rid of the hairy gloves. She's like, because it doesn't match. And I was like but i like the hair on my forearms she's like yeah she goes and later more men and women will find the hair on your forearms really sexy cuz that is super sexy she goes and all of the rest of it is attractive so just try it out stop doing that
0: that's so like beautiful and yeah. encouraging um and so
3: i just kind of let it grow and then people would comment if i had like my shirt unbuttoned and i was like oh Okay, at 12, people are commenting on my body hair, which is a little... It's it's a little strange. I think it's more out of, like, you're a hairy 12-year-old. This is a strange look. But it's like, you know, whatever. And then, in my 20s, I decided to let my facial hair grow in. Because, like, you know, my face was irritated from shaving. And then it, like, clicked. And people were just, like, paying attention to me. And then I was like, oh. Okay, so then another button came unbuttoned on the shirt. And so... And then you know it kind of like spiraled from there, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like bears are better." That's just how I see it in my head. Like,
0: oh, bears are better. Yeah,
3: and if you're a bald bear, even better. But that's just because I happen to be bald, so it's a it's a bias. But yeah, I um, I don't know. I just kind of came into it little by little, right? So
1: yeah. And when we were in LA, so. The perception, I think, or at least my perception, when we went to LA for DragCon, was like we're gonna oh, feel yeah. like we're gonna feel like we're aliens. We went to Precinct and we were like, "When can we move here?" Because like, look at all <laughs> these bears. Like, yeah, what time do we move? LA here? was so
3: inclusive.
0: It it is really surprising because when I came out here I was like, girl, I'm gonna start hiking, drink these juices, <laughs> like get my little thing together, you know, and, and that isn't not the case, but at the same moment, like there's every kind of person here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it was really um it was really like fun and exciting to 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 come here and find such a huge bear community here, and like a queer bear community, like queer, creative, artistic, expressive, like not sort of like bogged down. And, and 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 that, like, bogged down by masculinity moment, that exists, girl. There's Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. There's Palm Springs. Like, there are all of those places around. But in L.A., like, a lot of these people are, like, very lovely and very, you know, open. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, like, sometimes you don't find in the bear community.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, my experience with, like... You know, the when I started going to, I forget what it's called, but it was like, I think in Bear City, they call it Ramrod. I forget what the name of that bar is. It's the one that's like practically in the ocean um, on Christopher Street.
0: But, oh, in New York.
1: Uh, yes. uh, Rock Bar. Rock Bar. Thank you. Um, it had a completely different name the first time I went there, but I just remember being like in a sea of shirtless, very hairy men who were all like, you know, grr, like, you know, they were very more cl- clinging, gir, more to gir than girl, more gir than girl. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and here I am like the, um, the idiot bear who's like, why don't any of you want to dance? What's wrong with you? Why don't you want to dance? Right. Um, <laughs> in your tutu, in my tutu. Right. Um, and, uh, Yeah, it was just like they're clinging to their masculinity. And at a certain point, I was like, I'm kind of over this. Like, I don't want to be here when you're here right now. I'll meet you when you get home later. Like, let's do that. (laughs) It's It's a really
0: hard thing to justify that, like, that interest and that want to have a sexual experience with like a hyper masculine um, sort of like epitome of of like manhood Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that idea of like you know we have all those fantasies these like the coach or the scoutmaster, even like the stepdad fantasy where Mm -hmm. you're like you know you're the construction worker coming home from a day and then it's just like oh i'm gonna suck your dick because you're such a man like it it's hard to justify wanting all of that and then also like like mix that with like a queer personality because you're like, no, I want someone who I connect with. I want someone who I can actually be with. And there's so much in the community where people just sort of cling to those masculine stereotypes in order to get dick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the amount of times in random hookups where like the entire conversation and vibe changes once you've both finished, you know, like everyone shot their load and then they're laying there and it's like, Oh, what do you do for fun? Oh, which drag queen on Drag Race are you interested in? Or like what kind of, you know, like all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where that's like this like weird inequity that we have to to wrestle with because like we give too many allowances. I I do it all the time. I give allowances to people because I want to sleep with them. And then I try to like write them off later. And right. I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, that was like a good fuck. But like, I don't agree with the fact that like while we were messaging on Growler, you were like, you're not feminine, are you? And I was like, we're three quarters of the way to my mouth around your dick. So like, I'm going to be like, uh, I'll just sort of like ignore the question or I'll be like, uh, no. Do you know what I mean? Just so <laughs> I'm like, what's your address? I'm not going to marry this person. Mm-hmm. Right. But. That's like, that's like a, that's a thing where it's like, we should actually be, I was just stalking your Facebook page and I just saw, uh, you posted, uh, like true love is binge watching the office and stoning a dress together. Yes. (laughs) And I'm like, if that's not the truth you know what i mean like like you you guys are both passionate about being drag queens you're both passionate about the podcast you're both passionate about you have these shared interests and this share shared queer experience you know what i mean and and that's way more special than like looking at a dude in a harness talking about woof (laughs) absolutely but you also you know but it's also hard because it's like you can't ignore the fact that if someone is putting themselves out and they hit, they strike a chord with you, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh my God, that's hot. I want to have sex with that. Yeah. Like you also can't be mad at your body.
3: Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, it's, you know, there, it, there's an attraction thing. It's just, it's right. all chemical and, and, you know, part of who you are at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's not everything about you, which is what totally. I think people sometimes don't know how to make that distinction. That you can have both.
1: Yeah. Um, you, you and Meatball explore this a lot on your podcast, Unbearable. Um, how did this opportunity come up for both of you?
0: Um, I met Meatball at a show um, backstage at Precinct, mm-hmm. and I told him this to his face so he knows this, but I thought he was like in his mid 30s. Um, <laughs> I thought he was much closer <laughs> to my age uh, because we had this like really sort of like contained lovely conversation about nightlife and being a performer and being an artist and, like, you know, like, Meepo went to theater school and he's, like, Mm -hmm. written TV show Like, he has, like, a lot of other experiences to drag. Mm -hmm. And so we had this, like, really sort of lovely conversation. And I was like, oh, this is a person I want to, like, interact with a bit more. And, um... I later found out, like, he was wicked drunk, and, you know, he loves to get wasted at parties, but I didn't know he was drunk, and he's, like, a total mess, and I am not, and (laughs) it was so funny because my initial experience was, like, none of it was real, and and then later I was thinking we had a few more interactions, and I was like, it would be fun, because I'd been thinking about doing a podcast, and I was like, it would be fun to do a podcast with him, Mm -hmm. and so... I asked him if he wanted to do it and uh he said yes. And we did like two or three sample ones and then we pitched them to Reverie and they wanted to buy it. So we like, you know, worked out a deal and we did our season one and then we did our season two. And it's turning out to be like a really lovely and amazing um experience because I know for me I kind of hid behind my performance a lot. It was always about oh, let the music speak for itself. Like, I have a YouTube channel, but I don't do like, hi, YouTube, it's so-and-so, and I'm here making a video. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I just put out content. It's just music videos, and I just put out music. And so I don't necessarily talk like a rock star I don't have this like rapper mentality like I really like to work I'm really thoughtful I get really introspective I like to have deep conversations and those are all things that don't necessarily line up with the idea of like a music artist Mm -hmm, and so the podcast was this like great place where we could explore all of that and I was so grateful that we got the opportunity to do it
1: how do you go about choosing your guests
0: um it's a mix like it's kind of like f- friends and people we know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, only if they have a connection to the bear community or a relatable point of entry. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like Nicole Bayer was just on the show. Oh, and She's someone who one. we like, we love her work. And she talks about being fat and she talks about sex and she talks about dating. And we were like, Great. We have a lot to discuss here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so it's a it it's it's that. And then also like as as we grow, we are trying to get like more well-known people in the room, um, who wouldn't typically have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we like to get people in the room and be like, tell us a sex story. And they're like, Whoa, I don't ever do this. You know what (laughs) I mean? So that to me is like, um, yeah, that to me is, uh, the, the sort of way that we go about doing
1: that. You guys have a really interesting, well, not, it's not even interesting. It's like incredibly impressed. Like one of the things I loved about, Mm unbearable when i first started listening is the interview style that you guys use where it's just like really relaxed it's just like a a really good conversation it just flows and i was just wondering who inspires you guys like who do you guys look to for inspiration with your interviews
0: we've never actually really talked about it Hmm. um and i think for like the first couple in season one I, you know, I, so I, I I, will, I will gladly take all the credit <laughs> before our shows. I write out a script. I write out an outline. I write out our intros. I write out our little, you know, I write like what we're going to talk about bullet points for our catch up or whatever. And then I, I write out all the questions. Um, and Meatball will text me and be like, make sure we ask Nicole about wigs or whatever, and then I'll, like, add that to the list. But I like to do a lot of research and I like to order the questions in a way where it feels like they flow really nicely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, honestly, part of the reason that I think Meatball and I, like, the idea of a podcast made sense together is that, like, we have this weird like two-hander improv mentality and we're not making anything up and we're not being fake, but the way that we flow off of each other, he can sort of see where I'm going. I understand where his jokes are going to come. Um, and like, we understand how to be shady towards one another, but it moved things along. Mm-hmm. And, and we basically built the rapport over season one. And then when we started season two, we were like, um, I haven't talked to you in three months because we were both like working a bunch and doing other things. And we were like, let's have breakfast before the first episode. So we like went out to breakfast to like get back in the rhythm.
2: Yeah.
1: That's really sweet because you can, you can feel, I mean, you, you have a conversation about trying to get to know each other a little better on the first episode of the first season. And right. it's just interesting how it all just works. Like it just, it seems together and it works.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate you guys saying that because like the podcast is something that to me, we worked really hard to make happen and we work hard at it when we do it. But we also block record them. So we'll record for like three weeks and then the the reverie will decide when they're going to come out. And so we recorded everything in like April and now I get like 12 weeks of re-listening to all of the episodes as they come out every Friday. Mm -hmm. And it's this like really fun thing where we get to like contribute content into the world that I feel really, really good about and it's not fleeting, you know, it like it lasts for a period of time and people can go back and like listen to old episodes. So I definitely want to keep doing it and, um, And I love that it can, like, grow and change and become other things.
1: Yeah. We hope you keep doing it because we love the rapport that you and and me all
3: have. And it's just, it's so much fun. I also don't know what I would do
0: without time every week that's time. i love snack time but honestly uh do you ever get to the point like when i'm when like i never get bored eating like ever i'm always like yes food how great i'm excited for more food. let's keep this food thing going but what i will say is that like as we like towards the end of season of of recording season two i was like What other food is there? Like, it honestly got to a point where I was like, I don't know what else we can bring in for snack time, which is crazy talk. But it just means like on the days we record, I go out into the world and I'm like, what should I get? What should I get? What should I get? And I start to freak out. So I think I need to plan a little better.
3: Yeah, because you have to find something. I mean, I'm like you probably like a particular like range of snacks so like
0: sure and i like it to relate to the guests like Mm -hmm. on nicole byers show because that was just happened on friday we brought a cake in because she hosts nailed it on netflix Mm -hmm. which is about cakes you know what i mean so we try our hardest to like have things line up like that so that makes sense Uh, so good
1: um well thank you so much for doing this with us we we
0: appreciate it so much we would love to of course it's so nice to talk to you i'm Uh. literally wearing a bushwick shirt right now oh, the like Bushwick. old listen, the white one the old um you know the white one with the drawing on it and the high heels says bush yes, wig down yes. and i'm remembering when we after i performed there we like interviewed out next to the tent
1: and it was raining, and uh-huh. you, were eating, was. you were eating gummy worms.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was eating gummy worms, yes. And and I did part of my show in heels mm-hmm. yeah. to celebrate the Bushwig uh, mentality.
1: Mm-hmm. That was fun. That was a
3: fun performance. Oh, my God. Like, the year it rained. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. <sighs>
1: um,
0: What's well, that queen's name who, like, performs in the subway and in Union Square with the devil horns? Oh, basically, Queen Amore. Yes. And yes. she was out there giving shows for 14 mm-hmm. hours.
3: Yes, she was. She was yeah. on a stump. She was yes. hugging a tree at one point. Lady Simon yes. tied himself to a tree. Oh, my God. Everybody thought she was going to get electrocuted.
1: Yeah. Um, God,
0: right. Girl. That was she a, alive? I
3: think,
1: yeah. Lady Simon? I think she's still yeah. alive. Of she didn't, she, she like, didn't die
0: that night. <laughs> she faded away into the background. <laughs>
1: wow. Not that I know of.
0: No, I'm not trying to be shady. No, no, we
3: honestly don't know. I have, I mean, I'm sure she's still out there. Because
0: you know, nightlife is that thing where like Mm -hmm. people really are around for a long time and then they like recede and then you like bump into them and they're like, oh yeah, I'm like the senior VP at some like marketing firm or whatever. And you're like, who the fuck are you? Like, I had no idea you were this other person. Yeah. Yeah. Not Mm -hmm. in, like, a bad way. Like, everyone can do their own gig. Like, honestly, I will say this. I am always surprised when there are people who I see out at gigs. I'm talking, like, across the country. Like, they're at Pride events. Like, I bump into them. We're sort of, like, always kind of, like, ships in the night. Like, oh, did you play here? Oh, I did that last night. Oh, I'm here. Oh, I see you at the airport. Like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say something like, well, I couldn't do that because I had to be back for work. And I'm like, you have a job like because this is my full time Mm -hmm. job. This is what I do every day of my life. I get up every day and I work to be a performer. I book myself, you know, all of that stuff. This is my gig. And then there's people who juggle a job as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how do you have time to do anything? I I don't I mean, we
3: just do the podcast and our full time jobs. And then occasionally we. Get in drag when we have something yeah. to do, but I don't. I honestly don't know. um But you
0: know what I yeah. mean, like yeah, like, no, absolutely. And then, and then there's so much. I I always find it interesting, also, when there's so much sort of secrecy around it. Mm-hmm. When people are like, oh yeah, you know, they like don't want you to know that they have a full time job. I'm like, bitch. If I had a full time job, if I had like a real job, I would be like, yes. Mm -hmm. i do this this is my real ass job and also on top of it i give you shows at night you know what i mean yeah like you know i always find it so fascinating
3: yeah i think sometimes they're like you know oh you know i I have this other thing and you know because they don't I, i feel like it's kind of not it's not cool you know right like it's not it's not as sexy you know, like, I'm an accountant during the day, but I do drag at night. Like, you know, let's just talk about my drag. Accounting is just, you know.
0: I guess that's true. But, like, if you're a good-ass accountant, you better believe your drag outfits are, like, stunning because right? you make money. You don't have to go pay $25 for a couple yards of fabric and mm-hmm. make a dress.
3: If I were an accountant slash drag queen, you better believe I'd bring my, like, standing, like, advertising my accounting business to every right? egg And be like, Queens, I'll do your taxes. Just book.
0: Well, wasn't that the tea? like, Bianca was, like, a costume designer or a draper mm-hmm. or a seamstress in a costume shop? So yep. she was making actual money, and then she always looked good. Like, from Jump, yeah. she Well, not from Jump, but you know what I mean. Like, she always <laughs> yeah, looked always.
3: good. Yeah, always. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, stunning. Yeah. Anyhow.
1: Mm. I'm excited for Miscalculation to have her sitcom yes. on ABC, where she's yes. an accountant by day and a drag queen by Stop night. Stop it, Miscalculation. And then, like...
0: <laughs> And then she like forget, you know, the age old Mrs. Doubtfire moment. She like <laughs> sits down at the accountant's desk, forget that's, she, forget she's in full geesh. Like spins around and she's all, Mr. Fine-celled, uh you're not getting as much kickback this year. And they're like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it writes itself clearly. Wow, oh.
0: clearly we need to be in the uh, song development or Always. the the, uh, the TV development game.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah um well before we let you go can you just tell our (laughs) listeners where they can follow you and plug anything you have coming up please
0: yes Uh, um my name is big dipper you can find me at big dipper jelly j-e-l-l-y uh that's my instagram and my twitter and um I have my album coming out this summer. It's called Late Bloomer. So if you follow me, you'll get all the details on that. And if you have not yet watched the music video for my single Lookin', L-O-O-K-I-N, no G, because we're cool. It's just Lookin'. um, Go find that on YouTube, Big Dipper Lookin'.
1: And if you're listening to this on our website, you can just scroll down. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) oh yes come on click, scroll down click on all the links click away and shout out to all of your progressive politics happening in new york yes
3: i was
1: excited hope about everyone, that
0: oh was that today that everyone <laughs> needed to vote
1: it was yesterday yeah Yesterday, um, but I and isn't forget there the
0: another isn't there a primary on thursday as well is there no tuesday know. they're always on tuesdays. they're
1: always they're usually on tuesdays yeah i guess yes. we'll find okay. out yeah we'll have to look at the calendar
0: it's yeah one of those things um that was incredible. well yeah that was that was fantastic and incredible news mm-hmm. all right
1: well thanks again thank you. thank you
0: it's nice to talk to both of you and i'll nice speak to, to you again too. soon
1: yeah we'll be right back
3: today's episode is brought to you by quip an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine the simple secret to great oral health is good technique consistent brushing and regular upkeep Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle.
1: We're back. And before we get into our listener letters, um, I actually want to, well, we wanted to acknowledge an iTunes review that we, re- we received recently. Um, user Lamarge 100 left a review titled very disappointed. And they wrote very sad. You didn't cut the rape joke about Blair from Monistat. One of the main reasons I love this show is the socially con- conscious aspect of it. Totally not cool to make fun of that. And we just wanted to acknowledge this comment. And, um, you know, we pride ourselves on making room for everyone and we're disappointed in our lapse in judgment. And, uh, When we make a mistake, we are grateful for the opportunity to learn and make better choices going forward. So we sincerely apologize and we would like to thank Lamarge 100 for pointing this out and for keeping us honest. And, you know, we strive to do that going forward. We will be better. We promise. Um, So let's get into our listener questions.
2: Yes.
3: Um, So our first listener, well, message rather, comes from Brian. And Brian writes, Hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast since around the start of Drag Race Season 8. And it's really the best out there. It's obvious how much you love drag and appreciate all the queens on and off the show. And after a season of so much of the fans' garbage behavior, it's nice to have a spot to celebrate everybody. You always make me think, laugh, and question my own views. Your season your season ten episodes have been especially good. You two have had a really even hand when speaking about the vixen and Aquaria and Eureka and have worked hard to look at things from all perspectives. The reunion episode was special. Um, when y'all got into the dirty, dirty dirt of Rue, sorry, (laughs) the dirty dirt of Rue Michelle in production, I was in my kitchen snapping and yassing. I have to agree that Rue's guru self-help shtick is really too much for the show. I think she was really counting on the vixen to agree and say, you're right, Rue, you've changed my whole perspective. So she could use that as a marketing tool for her new book. And she blew up at Asia because her plans had gone awry and Asia was challenging her. So gross. Also, Dusty's Never Loved You for Michelle had me howling. Anyway, love you. Love the show. Thank you for
1: writing in. But also, I never thought about it from that perspective that RuPaul was trying to plug her book. Girl. And like in the conversation with the vixen, that is like literally you have your finger on the pulse. That is like totally something she would do.
3: I'm surprised there wasn't like now, you know, Brian, thank you for you know planting the seed i'm surprised that there wasn't like a you know available on itunes thing afterwards for her book well because it's not available yet it doesn't come out until the fall. well no but like a pre-order anyway some sort of plug about her book basically uh-huh. because she was giving you isn't it called guru it is it's called guru. i mean so calling her guru paul we're not you know exactly far off i guess yeah at least what she thinks of
1: my original name for her was the rupali Lama, (laughs) because she was really you know everyone knows i mean i think if it wasn't obvious to you that she was trying to be um some kind of like like really fucked up spiritual leader this reunion proved it so Mm -hmm. um and we got a lot of um we got a lot of comments about the reunion episode and um yeah, there's just there was a lot there. There was a lot to unpack. And I think there was there was some stuff that I didn't even get to talk about, which I'm a little disappointed about, but that's okay. It's
2: I
3: mean we could have tacked another hour on. <laughs> we could have. We could have. That that trusty three hour yeah. episode made we done one la- of those miss in a while. her flight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Poor thing. I didn't even realize that she was like en route to wash her panties. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But well she stopped to podcast with us. So we're very she grateful did. for that. She
1: did. Mm. Um, we also got a message from Fernando, whose the subject is RuPaul's hokey pokey psychology race, which that subject line should be nominated for an award or something. (laughs) Um, He writes, Hey guys, I've been listening to your guys' podcast for a long time. This is the first time I'm writing you guys. I just want to start by saying thank you guys for all your time and all the laughs you've given me. I don't have any gay friends, so to hear you guys makes me really happy. I just want to give some thoughts on the circus that was the reunion. Rue was going on with her wannabe religiosity. Hold on a second, because for some reason, my phone is having and my phone's having a moment and won't let me read this email for some reason um and i've completely lost it Do so I make it continue? there you go
3: please okay what were you up to i don't know okay so, is, so circus. did you did just it? move the email is that what just happened no because it's gone no, it's completely I'm it. gone nope okay well go ahead um now i forgot what we're hold on let's start over RuPaul it's something about RuPaul somewhere yeah okay here we go Ru was going on with her wannabe religiosity and how she thinks she has the entire world figured out she acts like how I acted back in junior in junior year of high school four years ago when I thought I knew the world because I was taking a psychology class let's stop there hold on let's stop there
1: I think that's a really important point Mm -hmm. that I don't know that we really talked about, but a lot of RuPaul's outbursts on this show feel like extra juvenile. Like I just started listening to Linkin Park and I hate my parents and I'm going to rebel. And, you know, basically like everything that RuPaul was essentially making fun of when she came out as Rude Paul, that's (laughs) the real her. That's the thing is that that's the real her that mm-hmm. like that's who she is. Yeah. That is
3: exactly who she is. Continue. Um, no, okay. I genuinely think that Rue did not like the Vixen. I heard some tea that the Vixen was acting up behind the cameras. And if you rewatch the season, you can see Rue's personality personality fluctuate from the first episode to when the Vixen's reign of quote unquote terror was going on to after she got sent home.
1: I You agree- could say. You could say. One could say. One could say. That she came out of her cocoon sh, sh, as a butterfly sh, 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 sh. for
3: did you do that just so i could say
1: sh, 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 sure sh. okay good. it's a reference to something the listeners who know what i'm talking about will know on. But butterfly
3: <laughs> butterfly in the
1: sky or um the floor. continue
3: <laughs> this
1: is far too silly
3: <clears throat> i agree with you guys that she has something against her will she be the next courtney act how do you guys think the reunion would have gone if Michelle was also there? I think that, sorry, I think it would have been even worse since we know Michelle loves to play good cop, bad cop with Rue while she plays both sides to match with Rue. I hope that this is the last time we see this kind of mess on dra- on RuPaul's quack religion race. Ooh. Thank you, guys. Much love, Fernando. I love that new title. Lots Can you imagine names if that were a challenge on Drag Race? RuPaul's quack, quack religion ridge. race. Oof. That's it's, it's a mouthful, but it's, I like it. Yeah.
1: Um, I like the question that that you have asked us, Fernando, of whether we think it's a good idea for Michelle to have been there or not, because we had a whole discussion right after the reunion about who should be hosting it. Because it shouldn't be Rue. Mm-hmm. We get that it's her name in the title of the show. And that at the end of the day, the one who wins is RuPaul. Because she's getting money from, you know, everything. In every corner. They're using her music as the soundtrack. They're using her face as the face of the show. Like, it's all, it's all about Rue, mm-hmm. right? Um, but she should not be hosting the reunion. That's like plain, very plain and simple. Um, It's a conflict of interest. And so we had a conversation about who should, who should be hosting it. And the thing is, is Michelle Visage is far too, I don't know if she's actually as similar to RuPaul as she pretends to be. And they're there just gave it away. Um, Mm. I, I think it's an act. I think Mm -hmm. that she is. I think that she learned from being shut out by her supposed best friend while seasons one and two were filming and was like, this will never happen again. I'm going to make sure I'm there for season three and the rest of our lives because without RuPaul. Michelle doesn't have much of a career no and that's not that's not being shady that's simply a fact
3: it's just the truth
1: right and so I think she caught wind that the more she agrees with RuPaul outside of being the mean judge on RuPaul's Drag Race um, the more work she will get and that's true it's, you know, we've seen the, you know, her going from opening for the the drag race girls when they go on tour to doing her own stuff. She was just doing um, uh, Ireland's,
3: Ireland's Got, Got Talent. Talent yeah. yeah. So they sent her that far away though.
1: Yeah. I just don't think there would be enough of a, um, th- I don't think there would be enough um, objectivity coming from Michelle Visage no, for her to host it. It,
3: it. No, Michelle Visage shouldn't, she didn't host anything. Well, I mean, we've seen what happens when she hosts bots. It's like her one chance to sing a show tune. Well, <sighs> well, I wasn't going to go there, but anyway, we I, went there. I, I, listen. Enough with that. Enough with my gaze. Like, pfft, find something else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, who who else did we did
1: we toss around about like hosting the reunion? Um, Ross Carson um let's have a serious conversation about ross
3: hosting the reunion how do you think that i think ross would be great i think he is i i actually like there are a lot of things that about ross that kind of like um like get under my skin a little bit but Mm -hmm. just you know but i think that like his judging style on drag race is really good okay and not not that it's just like complimentary all the time i think that he's very fair because we know that Ross goes out to consume drag. Like, he loves going to, like, two cans in Palm Springs, and he goes to, you know, L.A., like, where he lives, to watch, you know, the Queens perform. On, okay. on More in Palm Springs than in L.A., but he does consume drag, and he knows what's going on. Right. You know? So, I think that he... I mean, at least I assume that he brings this to his judging because I don't think that I've ever found his judging to be to this or that. It's, it's very, um, it it all makes sense right you know it doesn't seem baseless when he's giving a negative critique and it doesn't seem like when he gives a positive critique like he's tripping over himself to like mm-hmm. fawn over the girl so i think that it's uh it's very balanced and i think that you need somebody who's like that to host something like the reunion and moderate not to life coach
1: i find it very interesting mm-hmm. that you don't um that you don't see him fawning over these girls unnecessarily during his judging because I do. Well, I I feel like he has like, he's the nice judge. Whereas like RuPaul essentially doesn't give her opinion for most things. When the judging is happening, she allows everyone else to do the work for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Ross is actively being like, but I love that about her. I disagree with you, Michelle. Like, he's taking a stance that some of the other judges won't. But at the same time, it feels forced in a Mm. lot of cases. Um, So, but my issue with him, all of that stuff aside, I do think that he wouldn't be a bad host for the reunion. My issue with Ross is he is constantly trying to get a joke in. And I don't trust that he would let that go for long enough to just be there as a moderator, like a conversation mm-hmm. moderator, and allow everything to come up organically. Like, he would be constantly trying to get a joke in. It would be the Bossy Rossy challenge, mm-hmm. but as the reunion. My suggestion was Carson. Um, I think that, I mean, I personally think that Carson is the, the better of the two, if we're comparing ross and i mean i can i mean i'm
3: you know i'm thinking about them individually right and i see that i just um i'm trying to be fair i know you're trying
1: to be fair i really don't like ross for a judge on this show Mm. that's just that's the Mm. thing i don't see why he needs to be here Mm -hmm. and i i don't see him as bringing anything to the table whereas carson at least knows about fashion like ross knows about fashion because he follows it from Mm -hmm. uh uh, like from a fan perspective mm-hmm. but with Carson you're getting you're getting more than that He's he fashion has, he, it's fashion but it's also like <laughs> references from the perspective of someone who knows fashion mm-hmm. whose job it was to style straight men mm-hmm. on I mean it eye. still is
3: that's kind of right
1: but i mean like on television exactly it was like america was watching Mm -hmm. him transform all of these straight Mm -hmm. guys so that they could change their lives and it was like it was a big moment for him um and the other person i said who i think should be the host above
3: carson is todrick oh i disagree completely completely absolutely okay he has well you say why um, I
1: think that Todrick is a no-nonsense person. Mm-hmm. He sort of is who RuPaul was in the mid '90s, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still he is still um, he's still uninhibited enough to give his actual opinion, not the opinion he's being paid to give. If that makes sense. So I would trust him to moderate a conversation between these girls more than I would. RuPaul or Michelle.
2: Mm-hmm. I um, mean...
1: Yeah. I, I also... I also... One last thing. I also think that they need to swap him out with Ross and make him a permanent judge.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Or add him in because it
3: seems to me like they rotate. Well, I mean... Okay, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. So I'll touch on the ju- on the swap out of the judge thing, even though that's not where we were headed. Yes. I, I don't like this alternating judge thing. Okay. I think it is... It's not, I mean, again, it's not like this is the switch where you get points every week, right? And like they're accumulating. So, but it's just, if you're not there for one episode and then you're there for the one after it and on and off and on and off, it's just like, I think to be a judge properly, like a proper judge, Uh like you need to be there every week. I like, I think that they need to find somebody or two people who can be there for every, like who are, who can commit to an every episode type of thing so that you can see, they can see the girls progress and judge with all of the information. So at least that's my opinion, because I don't think that the celebrity guest judges that they bring actually have any say. Like, I don't think that they hold any weight at all.
1: None of them do.
3: Well, I know none that, of but, the judges but I'm do. saying to keep up the appearance, you know, like, you know, only have one vanity judge. look,
1: a week. We all, we all lived through All Stars 3. And, you know, say what you will about the person who won and the people who didn't, but that was, a, that was a fixed decision, okay? And then it was the editor's job to package it nicely, but that was a fixed decision. Um, I think that... Um, so uh, the, the point I was trying to make to you is you don't think that it's strategic that they have two judges who alternate so that someone there is giving a fair assessment.
3: Yes, I guess. so I guess that does make sense. It's just I often feel like sometimes if you weren't there, then how can you properly judge progress? That's that's literally my only sticking point. Like, you, that's a you, good point. you know, you like there is a gap
1: because they do bring up things like, you know, you've progressed, you've grown, blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah. And it's like you wouldn't know
3: you weren't here like half. Well, the I mean, you know, you like you saw a jump, you know, like it, it's like, you know, when you're walking up the stairs and you skip a step. Yeah. Like you're I mean, great. They did see them progress. But what if they did really well last week and this week they weren't so hot. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like that's life. You're not always going up. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's like, uh, you know, peaks and valleys. So I also, that's just how I feel about it. I
1: want to give a shout out to Anita 1982 on Instagram who wrote in and uh was asking what we thought of having a um a person of color as a judge and pointing out that um the whenever they have a person of color as a guest judge um or as a yeah, as a guest judge. I said that right. Um they usually live for the girls who are people of color because they see a little, like they see representation Mm -hmm. in those girls. Um, And I think that that would bring an interesting element. And that's where, that's sort of where my thing about Todrick comes from because like, you know, he's very Hollywood. So I don't know how, uh, objective, his opinion would be when it comes to people of color. But at the end of the day, he has proven himself. I think this past, this last season, one of the, one of the bright spots of this past season is him showing that he is a multiple threat and that Mm -hmm. he is earning his keep when they have him come in and choreograph or help with, um, with recording music or whatever, like whatever, whatever tasks they throw at him, he does it. Yeah. So, um, you know, other than maybe being a
3: contestant, I think. Oh, I would live. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, he, c- he couldn't do his own makeup, I don't think. But... I think he could learn. She could walk. She can walk.
1: She can walk.
3: She can walk. She has the wardrobe by now. Um, what would her name be? Todrick Hall.
1: Yeah, that's true.
3: She's related to Shaquita. Yes! They're part of the same family.
1: I could see that,
3: though. Yeah. They carry themselves the same way. Yes. Like, can you imagine?
1: There's a, a definite a definite um my god what is that called there's a, a definite um sophistication yes yeah, sophistication but like royalty like it's a a regal regal a regal you. carry yes if you will a regal carry for mm. sure mm-hmm. um well that
3: brings us to the end of our episode thanks for sticking around <laughs> we're grizzly kiki on everything that is facebook twitter and instagram so you can follow us there send your questions to grizzly at gmail.com and maybe we'll read yours on the air and don't forget to subscribe on
1: iTunes. So until next time.
2: see es polla, tiene
3: que ser bueno. Bye.